0: What does the gospel have to say about justice? What does it look like to live God's justice in the world? That's what we're talking about today on this episode of the Tower Hill Podcast. Hey, everyone, welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church. This is Pastor Jason. I hope that you are having a great day wherever you're listening to us, uh, that you feel a part of our community as you uh, catch up on the messages here at Tower Hill Church. Boy, this has been a really uh, crazy week for us here. That's why this podcast, if you're listening in real time, you're probably wondering, why did it take so long to get this podcast out? And it's because we had a special event here at the church where we hosted our denominational gathering our presbytery gathering and we not only did we host it but we set it up to be like a church conference so we had a a keynote talk some worship time and breakout sessions based on all different things that we're doing here at Tower Hill uh, contemporary worship service uh, revamp Sunday school program remodeled environments for ministry and we wanted to help inspire the churches in our presbytery to what they can how they can think outside the box to try and navigate change and to create revitalization in their churches and our staff just absolutely killed it they absolutely killed it we were we had no idea how this thing was going to turn out and it's the first time that we've ever tried something like this. So I think there was a, a bit of anxiety and really just, just ignorance. Like We just had no idea how this was going to turn out. And everything went really, really great. And I'm so thankful to such a great staff to make this happen and hopefully to have an impact on many churches and consequently many lives. So, man, it was awesome. But it was also a week where... I spent significant time with people dealing with really hard stuff in their lives and it was just such an up and down week. It was um, being with people at their low point and also experiencing some high points and I feel like that's life, right? I mean, that's just how life is. And I hope that these messages from our church, uh, maybe you are uh, traveling and you're usually here on Sunday mornings or maybe you're just tuning in because you don't live in the area or somehow there's a connection for you here. I just pray that these messages help as you navigate the ups and downs of your life each week. This week's topic is, we're getting close to the end of our series, our Gospel in Life series, and this topic is about justice. Now justice is something that's talked about constantly in our culture. Uh, I would love to say it's a national conversation, but it's not really much of a conversation. It's more of a national argument over different areas of justice and injustice. And one of the thoughts that I had, and one thought that Tim Keller brings out in his Gospel and Life study is, how is a Christian understanding of justice different than perhaps a cultural understanding of justice? And also, how is it the same? I think, I think that's really good to think about justice in terms of what does God have to say about what it means to be just? So here we go. Without further ado, here is this week's message on the Gospel in Life on justice. Today we are talking about justice. This is the part of the Gospel in Life where we're unpacking the idea of justice and what does it mean to live in such a way that we show God's justice in the world. But what do you think of when you think of justice? You know, when you hear that word, what are the images that come to mind? Maybe maybe, uh, you think of the Justice League, and in that case, you're a nerd. We love you. Um, or maybe you think of like the blind justice, Lady Justice, the blind justice with the blindfold around and the scales. Or maybe, of course, you think of Chuck Norris because Chuck Norris sweats justice. I don't know. I don't know what it is that you think about. <laughs> what do you think? That's one of my favorite all-time pictures. I don't know what you think about when you think about justice, but. Definitely, I have images that come to mind when I'm thinking about justice. I think first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the word justice is I I think about racial injustice. That's one of the first things that I think about. It it just that's the image that comes to my mind. I think about all of the personal injustices that have happened because of race. And I think about institutional injustices that happen uh, and continue based on race and I think about what does it mean to actively go against uh, the injustice that happens. That's one of the things that I think about. I think the other thing that comes to my mind is I think about uh, immigrants. You know, this is like a national conversation. The whole DACA, the Deferred Action for Children or Child Arrivals, um, is, you know, what kind of rights should they have? Is it an injustice to, to remove them from the country? It's a big national conversation. Well, actually, it's not much of a conversation. It's just a national conflict when it comes to racial tension, racial injustice. What do we do uh, with immigrant justice? These are all things that we hear on the TV constantly, and everybody's fighting and taking positions and deciding which way demonstrates justice. And we hear a lot about justice in the world. But what does it mean to have a gospel-shaped view What does it mean to allow the gospel to touch this part of our lives? That's what we're going to be talking about today. When we think of justice, we we think of um, perhaps a decision that somebody makes that does right by them and upholds what is right and what is wrong. And yet we see many examples of injustice where somebody did what they shouldn't have done and did wrong instead of right. And we cry out that an injustice has been done. But I want to take us back a little bit to how we as followers of Jesus should define justice. My theological point of view is this. Is that for, no matter what hot button issue there is in the world, no matter what situation My default is, I start with God. If I'm having a conversation about love, I start with, well, how does God demonstrate love? Why? Because God is love. If I'm doing a word problem in math, that would translate God equals love. So all of my love, the way I filter what is love and what is not is based on how I understand Jesus Christ and what he did and how he acted. And I think the same is true and this is how I start thinking about justice for God. Despite all the injustice that we see when wrong is done instead of right, and so on and so forth, there is one in whom justice is always perfect, and that is God. God always gets it right. That's what we believe. He always punishes sin. Like, what if he didn't? I, I, we get hung up a lot, I think, in the fact that God does punish sin. Well, what? God's so loving, you know what? Listen, that's not loving to just let sin go. He wouldn't be a just God. And if he's not a just God, he's not a good God. And if he's not a good God, then what are we doing? God is the only one who is perfectly just. He has perfect justice every time. He upholds the right and wrong. Sin must be punished. Here's where the idea of relative justice, right and wrong, uh, really falls down, is that many people believe that there is no overarching right and wrong, it's whatever's right and wrong for me. The problem is, that's not demonstrating real justice. Justice can only be done if there is a right and wrong. And I know even some of us, we're like, yeah, those people who think right or wrong is just up to their point of view, we all do it on one level or another. We're all guilty of that. What's right for us? What's wrong for us? We like to justify our behavior. So first we start with, what does it mean? What does justice mean? Justice looks like God. God is perfect justice. He always upholds the right and always punishes the wrong. The way that we are created, I think, is like a fabric, a relationship fabric. We are created to have a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with ourselves, a perfect relationship with one another, a perfect relationship with God's creation, like an interwoven, interdependent fabric. And when you see a fabric that's all perfectly woven together, what do we realize? It's First of all, it's beautiful, but it's also very, very strong. This is how our life was meant to be lived, in the interwoven fabric of God's goodness, of God's justice. This is what the ancient Jewish folks were saying when they would wish each other shalom. When they would greet each other with shalom, shalom means total flourishing, but total flourishing in your relationships, right relationships with God, with one another, with your work, with the world. When, we, when they would shalom wish shalom upon one another, they would wish for that. May God's completeness, the way God intended life to be, may that be what you experience, God's shalom. The problem is is that sin has torn this fabric. And the whole story of God and us, cover to cover of the Bible, is about God's plan to reweave the fabric of how he created everything. That which is torn is going to be made complete once again, and our job as the church is to help him do that, to help reweave the fabric of God's creation and right relationships with God, with one another, and the world together. That is what I believe God would define as justice. Everything is the way it should be. So, how do we do that? How do we partner with God in fighting against injustice... And living out God's justice. What does it look like in real life? It's one thing to advocate for a position or a cause. That's all well and good. But I think it goes deeper than that. Here's how Jesus described this in a very famous story. That even if you don't go to church, usually, uh, maybe you're new. um, Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you haven't picked up the Bible and read any of it. I guarantee you, you've heard of this story before. The parable of the Good Samaritan. This is Jesus' teaching on justice. This is from Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. A lawyer, expert in the law, gets up to test Jesus. They love to do this with Jesus. They wanted to get him. He was upsetting everybody with his crazy truth. Truth is so inconvenient. Almost sounds like a movie. <laughs> Sorry. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, How do you read it? I love that. This should be a lesson. Like, don't mess with Jesus. Like, don't start testing him on stuff because he's going to lay it down. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the guy couldn't stop, couldn't help himself. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Don't you think a lot of us, it's like, We get into trouble in life when we just go around trying to justify ourselves. And here Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, of course... We know that's wrong. We hear the story. We intuitively know that's wrong. The priest should have stopped. But what was going on with the priest and who did the priest represent? Remember, Jesus isn't telling a true story. He's telling a made-up story to tell a point. So the priest, if, if he saw somebody laying on the ground with, you know, covered in blood, he wouldn't want to make himself unclean because he's a priest. He'd have to go through a whole ceremonial cleansing in order to be made clean again. This is meant to to represent the religious people who say, I'm sorry, I can't make myself unclean. I've got to sidestep this and go do the Lord's work. Ouch. Ouch. Man, I tell you, as I was preparing this sermon and reading through this story, I'm just like thinking to myself, how many times, pastor, have you sidestepped the hurting because you had to go do the Lord's work? Oh that's what it's meant to represent so too a levite when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side the levite again an expert in the law not lost on this lawyer asking the question right it wasn't just the religious people it's the experts in the law Oh, oh yeah yeah he too sidestepped and kept going But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. This is a huge deal that the hero of this story would be a Samaritan. Because Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They believed that Samaritans were, and this sounds crude, but this is what they believed, they were half-breeds. They intermarried with Gentiles. They were wrong. They were the people of another religion, That isn't the right religion. They don't care about their ethnicity the way that they should. They're the bad guys. We don't associate with them. And what does Jesus do? He turns us around. He makes the Samaritan a hero of the story. Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him and took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. I was thinking about this as just a little rabbit trail. This is an aside right now. But I didn't have time to follow this up, but the thought occurred to me. I wonder if there's a connection between the fact that that Mary was brought in on a donkey and gave birth at an inn, and now Jesus is telling that the Samaritan brings on a donkey to the inn. I saw that connection. I don't know what that means. But maybe that's an interesting thought that you want to follow up on. Uh, I think I'm going to, because I don't know. It might be just coincidence, but I don't know. With Jesus, that doesn't happen a lot. So he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is what it looks like to live out God's shalom. Shalom equals justice. It is everything set right. It is all relationships made right. To live in God's peace and wholeness and joy is to live in God's justice. What is justice? It's to love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Absolutely everybody in need. Showing God's justice is how we reweave. We partner with God to reweave the torn fabric of creation. That's our job as the church. Jesus Christ, he tells us, you are my body now. You're, you're me. Collectively, you're me doing my thing in the world until I return. Your job is to partner with me to reweave the fabric of justice wherever you can. You see, justice is love in action. That's what justice is. Justice is love in action. In action, not just any kind of love, because I think, you know, the word love gets so overused in our vernacular that we tend to, to miss its power. We don't mean just any love. We mean love as it was shown in Jesus. So we look at Jesus's life. We look at the way he lived, what he taught, what he did, how he sacrificed in the greatest moment of injustice in history when he took our sin upon the cross for himself. Justice is love in action. If you say that you love God, then you must demonstrate it in how you love your neighbor. That is God's justice. The Old Testament, there's a prophet who spoke of what does it mean to live in God's shalom? He said this in Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, that was the first one, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So how do we do that? How do we act justly? How do we demonstrate this love in action? What does it look like? I think the first thing is just simply identifying the fact That when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we mean we love anyone who is in need. Anyone. I think we get hung up on the fact that people who are different, who have different ideas, different opinions, different way of life, that we have to agree with them. If loving them means we have to agree with them. If loving meant we had to agree with somebody, I I wouldn't be around a lot of my family. (laughs) We'll cut that from the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, love doesn't mean agreement. Love means I love you no matter what. I mean, we were blocked by sin, and God loves us anyway. Love doesn't mean I condone anything and everything you do in order to love. No, it just means I will love you. I will be the one, like the Samaritan, who maybe you even despise. And I'm going to show you mercy. Mercy. Love is a choice. The Samaritan didn't have to convert to be a Jew before he did the right thing. And a Jew didn't have to convert to be a Samaritan. Right? They still disagreed. But the Samaritan showed love. Here's the thing we love to love the people in our inner circle, we love to love the people we love. But then what about all the people outside of our circle? See, I think that's what this is calling us to. It's saying, love everyone just like you love the people in your inner circle. Treat them like that. Treat them with that kind of mercy. Treat them like you treat the people that you love the best. Love them all the best. Think about how that would change how we go about our lives if we truly love people the way that we love people in our inner circle. What if we widen that circle to include absolutely everybody who we meet? This was a, a sign that was put up by a pastor, and I thought this really captured it. Love your neighbor. Your black, brown, immigrant, disabled, religiously different, LGBTQ, fully human neighbor. That's hard. We, we look at things on that list and maybe some of you are like, eh, no, no, no. no, we love everyone, no matter what. So how do we act justly? The first thing was to love our neighbor, and that means anyone in need. The second is we have to work to change social and political structures that produce injustice. Yes, we should be a part. The church should be a part of that conversation. We should be trying to affect change in the world. That's how we help reweave the fabric of God's creation. I'll give you an example of this. There's a guy named James Bain. He spent 35 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He was a young black man who was targeted, put in jail, 35 years, DNA evidence overturned it 35 years later. We should find injustice like this and work to change it. This is done by the Innocence Project, uh, worked on his case. I think another example, International Justice Mission is a Christian organization that helps with uh, sex trafficking and slavery. They're working to free people who are oppressed Where there is injustice, they create justice. That's what we need to be about. Because wherever we find justice, there we find God. Why? God is justice, He is true justice, He is perfectly just. We're called to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly. What does that look like? How do we do it? We share God's heart for justice. We share God's heart. You see, Jesus was born into a minority in a food trough. He spent most of his time with the marginalized and outcast. He suffered the world's greatest injustice through his trial, his torture, and his crucifixion for us. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. When we live into shalom, we become people of justice. We have been made just because of what Jesus did on the cross. It starts with us, but it doesn't end with us. And then we work for the justice of the world. We're a part of reweaving the fabric of God's creation. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25 when he's talking about really the the judgment day, the end times. The righteous people, he's going to call them out. And he's going to say, you know, did you care for me when I was laying on the side of the road? And it says, verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Our God is the God of justice. Maybe we should sweat justice just like Chuck Norris. Man, what a tie in. It should be part of our lives. Justice is love in action. It's time that we partner with God to reweave the fabric of his creation and create shalom for the world. And when we start doing that, when we start living like that, we really start to live the gospel in life.